Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, that managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. Here for the UFC 222 wrap-up. We got all kinds of news for you over at Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. I personally did something like 20 articles today. We got Jeremy Lambert handling the post-show stuff. But I am joined today by a guy who interviewed uh, a couple of big names on this card, especially uh, James Lynch. James, you got tons of exclusives for us over at FightfulMMA.com. But, uh, oh, and we'll be talking about a couple of these interviews in particular. But what would you think of this card? I thought it was a great card, you know, on paper going in, obviously with Max Holloway off the card, uh, there was, you know, some thought that this is kind of a doomed event, but it really lived up to the hype. I think a lot of the fights were, uh, you know, they certainly delivered and a couple of surprises and just a little bit of everything. I mean, Sean O'Malley doing an interview on his back in the middle of the octagon. That's not something you see every day. Um, You know, uh, obviously the big uh, win by Brian Ortega. I mean, this this event really had a little bit of everything and it was certainly uh, entertaining. And I think people got their money's worth. Yeah, there is plenty to talk about. We'll also talk about the main event of Bellator as well, since that was a pretty big happening. Also, uh, Khalidov lost today. My God, like there, there, it was a weekend full of, of notables. So lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, let's let's kick it off with the, the prelim fights. Uh, Johnson over Milstead. Uh, this some people I saw. Uh, this was the first of many split decisions. Any thoughts one way or another about this one? Uh, Jordan Johnson now. 3-0 and in the UFC at light heavyweight, but maybe he doesn't have the type of fighting style that's going to get pushed in the UFC. No, he's just pretty much using his bread and butter in his wrestling. But you know what? I'll give him a pass on this one. Uh, I don't know if you saw or heard, but he, you know, he, he recently became a father. So there was a lot going into this fight. He tried to have this fight in December. It didn't end up happening that way. So uh, it happened right around the time his uh, you know significant other was uh, giving birth. So, uh, yeah, not not a really impressive win for him there. But uh, I have a feeling uh, you know maybe the next fight we'll see him tested a little bit more. And good on Adam Milstead. You know, he had the layoff and, uh, you know, obviously hadn't fought in a while coming off that brutal injury in the Curtis Blades fight and of course he went out there and, and actually looked pretty good you know a lot of people were writing him off in this fight and I thought he held his own quite well but uh, Jordan Johnson gets it done and uh, you know dare I say uh, you know pretty uh, decent prospect in the light heavyweight division yeah not bad 
Cody Stamen defeated Brian Caraway. I don't think Brian Caraway can have less heat on him right now. He is heatless. He is tateless. He got nothing right now. I got to say, on the feet, he looked slow. He looked depleted. Then he would shoot like some some lightning fast shots, like to the point to where I was surprised Stamen was able to stop some of them. So it says a lot about about his defensive wrestling, at least after the first round, because. I would see Caraway standing there, and he looked like he was hung over. Looked like he yeah. went out and partied the night before, but he would shoot those singles and doubles, and I was like, damn, those are coming in fast. So Caraway does have that at least. But uh, when you reject 274 fights in a row, uh, <laughs> you can expect to get an unranked guy. Now, when you get beat by that unranked guy, that's bad news for you because, I mean, legitimately, that we know of, it's at least 10 fights that Brian Caraway has pulled out of or rejected in his UFC tenure, that has to be up uh, near the highest, like, like period. Yeah. I, and, and some injuries in there too. I mean, the, the Jimmy Rivera fight, and then obviously the Luke Sanders fight as well too, if you remember. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just really bad circumstances for, for Caraway heading in. And I think that's why a lot of people, and that's why Stamen I think was actually favored heading into the matchup. Uh, not, you know, and obviously he's, he's looked really uh, good as well, but uh, yeah, what was it? May, 2016 was the last time Caraway fought. So it, it was evident, you know, sometimes they say that ring roster cage rust isn't a factor, but uh, you know, Caraway did look slower and you can't do that against a guy like Cody Stamen. I'm curious. I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, how did you score the fight? Cause you know, a lot of people uh, I saw split on, on it. You know, I wouldn't have cared if Caraway won. I thought it was that close of a fight, but I did have it for Stamen. At 29, 28 uh, Stamen. Yeah. And I just thought that uh, like Caraway would occasionally find success with an uppercut, but Stamen was just quick to counter it with the right hand. And he Stamen turned up the speed and caught Caraway with counter after counter after counter. It got to the point where I was like, man, if, if Brian Caraway wants to win this fight, he should just stand there. Don't throw strikes at all because Stamen was only countering Caraway for a while. Like he wasn't, he wasn't uh, initiating anything. He would just wait for Caraway to throw a slow shot and then a slow shot, either a wrestling or a slow punch would just counter it and take him to town. Caraway tried to make it dirty at the end and really made that effort. Not for that, I, I appreciate it. It's also worth noting that Cody Stamen's one loss was a very, very controversial split decision. So the guy yep. should be undefeated right now. You talked to him ahead of this. You did an interview for FightfulMMA.com. Uh, what kind? What kind of like mindset did you see Cody Stamen in ahead of this fight? He loved the fight. He was thrilled that he got the matchup because, you know, he wanted a name and you talked about him being unranked. You know, Caraway was ranked seven. So to get a matchup like that outside of the, uh, you know, sort of the, the top 15 is pretty good for him. So he was uh, thrilled. And, you know, the big quote he had, you know, I'm going to whoop his ass. And, you know, Cody did have a good performance. I, you know, he said after the fight, I saw some of the post-fight stuff, you know, he didn't like his performance. I think he was looking for a finish or, you know, at least something a little bit more dominant. But you know what? Getting a win over a guy like Brian Caraway, who himself, uh, Brian has, you know, impressive wins over, you know, Algernon. I mean, Sterling and, and other guys in the division. I mean, that looks good on your resume. So I think for Stamen, uh, this is a nice win. We'll see sort of where he evolves. And I, I think he's getting better every fight. Uh, maybe we didn't see it in this matchup. But again, just his athleticism and his takedowns and everything is just uh, going to be a lot of problems for a lot of guys in that division. Zach Atow took uh, Mike Pyle out back and old yellered him, so to speak. It, it, was, yeah. it was sad. Mike Pyle was emotional. Piles had a great career. I man, to think about this, his first fight, Piles that is, 1999 against Rampage Jackson and both of them have fought this year. Like I I'll have to look it up, but we'll have to find if there are any other guys who squared off in the 90s who are still 
fighting in 2018 because that's that's a special kind of um, of achievement there. Huge overhand right ended it for Pyle. I got to say some of my favorite Pyle moments are the great fight with Sean Spencer, the sick KO of Josh Neer, tapping out Shoney Carter, him just putting Jesse Lennox out, and uh, also the legend of Jim Mike Pyle being up there on the, the legends of MMA like C-Level Kane, motivated BJ Penn, Kimbo with six months of sprawl training, Brock Lesnar without a surgically removed butthole. Like, uh, Jim Mike Pyle is is a legendary figure in the history of MMA, and that that's almost what he's known best for because everybody's like, man, nobody can beat him in the gym. And, and now he'll get to make a career off that. He'll get to coach, but it, it was a bit of a sad experience to see, but he knew it was time. Yeah, and this was the – I mean, Zach Otto had just resigned with the UFC. I think they sort of knew what was going to happen in this fight. You know, Otto hadn't gotten a finish uh, in the UFC yet. This was his first one. So good looks good on Otto. Just signed a new contract. It's a finish. I mean, that that sort of look good, looks good on everyone. And for, for Pyle, I mean – I was kind of surprised that he was still on the roster. He had two losses before that. I think he's now lost. I think he's like one in five, mm. five I think, in his last six or something. So uh, 42 years old, wasn't really going to – I mean, Mike Pyle, the, the fights either go one or two ways with him. He either gets finished early or he wins uh, You know, either a controversial decision or a regular decision. Uh, like the John Hathaway fight comes to mind where he, you know, he beat him in the UK when Hathaway was still fighting. That was a pretty big deal at the time. Um, you know, So there are fights where, where Pyle uh, – you know, Rick Story, that was a little bit of a controversial win, but – he still got the win there. He wasn't expected to. But then he loses like early like he did to Rory McDonald and other fighters. So, I mean, it happens. But, uh, yeah, just you can't take anything away from Pyle. Just fought the who's who. You know, John Fitch, uh, Rampage. I mean, you name it. He's fought a lot of the good guys. So I wish him the best going forward. I think he's doing the stunt work stuff like Frank Trigg. That's what I heard. Yeah, and Otto was a guy that, that you actually spoke to last year, late last year. And he revealed that that his contract was coming up and that he wanted to re-sign with the UFC. So, uh, good on him for getting that. We've got a couple more guys who have uh, some contract, some contract stuff coming up soon. Uh, one of which being John Dodson, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. CB Dalloway and Hector Lombard. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you do when you can't box very well? You can't get inside for fear of being countered, and you don't want to clinch because of your opponent's judo. Nothing apparently, and you can still win the fight. Yeah, this so is this is like this is like the most like kind of of, of any result that could happen in this of, of any fight on the card. This is the one that had to happen. And this is just it was a weird matchup. Two guys just lose. You know, they haven't won in a while. Actually, well, Dalloway's coming off a win. But you know what I mean? He's, he's lost a couple before that. Uh, it's just a weird matchup. And then, of course, like Lombard, the guy who's, you know, notoriously over the years been, you know, heard that, you know, he's a gym bully and all this stuff gets, yeah. uh, you know, a shot after the, the bell and. You know, Dalloway, you know, if it's not elevators that are hurting him, it's uh, shots after the bell. So it's just uh, it's it's unfortunate. This is, this is the only way this fight could end, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dalloway, I think the only fighter in uh, MMA history who on topology, it says the reason he was out of a fight was an elevator. So I got to give him yeah. credit for that. But, uh, but yeah, just weird fight. And who knows what the heck you do with either of these guys. I think with Lombard, you give him a prospect and you hope that the prospect wins and you sort of build a name off of him. And Dalloway, who knows? I mean, it's just that. They're super weird. Technically, Lombard is now winless in his last six fights. And yeah. th- there's an argument to be made. Technically, the punt, the horn was still sounding while the punches were being thrown, and the referee 
did not separate the two. He, he screamed time, and we'll talk to Showdown Joe about this on Tuesday on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, 3 p.m. Eastern, you guys. Tune in. He is a licensed official, but the referee should have been in between them. Now, do I blame the referee for not wanting to be in between that? No. Should he have been there? Yes. And uh, Lombard is going to try to to appeal, and the best that can happen is a, is a no contest. But, man, it's going to be hard because, you know, most everybody knows the drill with Lombard. He's crazy. Yeah. He's crazy. Also, Dalloway. Now, maybe I'm being a little insensitive here, but a no, good be, ten, be, as, be as insensitive as you want. It's, uh, as it's all ten, uh, like 10 minutes after this situation, he got knocked out. He did. Yeah. But 10 minutes later, he's asking, what happened? At that point, he knew <laughs> oh, yeah, what happened. See that. At that point, he knew what happened. Uh, he's not going to win any uh, Oscars this weekend or anything like that. Like he's he's not going to take home any awards for his acting, but he didn't need to do any acting. That's the thing. He got knocked out. We knew he couldn't continue, but you, you never know in MMA. But that's the only way this fight could have ended. The only possible outcome, I think. Yeah, RJ Clifford had a great tweet tonight where he's like, if you told me that CB Dalloway was a, a major in acting in college, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, yeah. just, it was just it was so funny, like just kind of poking at the whole situation. But you said it best. I mean, this is just it was just a weird matchup. Two guys, like I said, on the decline, and then you know, it, this happens. It's like, yeah, of course something like this would happen in this fight. Dodson over Munoz. This is the last fight on Dodson's contract, and he's gonna be in demand. Because you have Ryzen who is signing up anybody at 125, 135 that can. They've got a couple good names. ACB is probably going to make him an offer. Bellator should make him an offer. Why not? Dodson was just way too fast for Munoz. And just the hilarious thing is the fact that this fight was on this show because of a bathwater incident where Munoz couldn't make weight because he didn't have hot water in his hotel bathtub. And Dodson's like, you had a bathtub in your hotel room? Must have been nice. <laughs> That's how bad the, the conditions were. Dodson kept on uh, moving to his left and throwing, and Munoz didn't catch us till like round three, James. Yeah, I know. And it, it really it really cost Munoz the fight, I think. Oh, it certainly did. I mean, there, there were ways for him to win this matchup, aside from the fact that he was way bigger than Dodson, too. Could have used his reach a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where – I, I Dodson just sort of fights the same every fight. Like there's nothing new that he sort of brings to the table. And, and, you know, I was surprised too, that Munoz didn't sort of pick up on that, but uh, Dodson gets the win here, avoids two straight losses. This guy never loses two fights in a row. I think yeah. he's alternated wins and losses in his last six fights. So he, again, just sort of a weird thing. And, and he really should be fighting at flyweight. I mean, it's just, because uh, as long as Demetrius Johnson's there, he's going to be staying up in bantamweight. But, I mean, when he starts fighting guys that are a little bit higher on that level, he's going to run into some problems. But, uh, but yeah, just, you know, good win for him. I think he'll probably end up staying with the UFC. I don't know if Bellator – Bellator doesn't seem to be too eager to sign any lighter weight class guys. Although, mm-hmm. with, with Higo losing the way he did the other day, I mean, they're going to run out of contenders oh, yeah. at 135, so they might want to look at that. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see. I, Johnson, I saw, you know, the post-fight stuff saying, you know, he wants to resign with the UFC. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. he's got to feel a little bit uh, kind of pissed about what happened in Brazil too. So we'll see. We'll see what well, he's goes. He's got to be pissed about the two penis kicks he received as well. Yeah, that too. Yes, exactly. All one time high penis kicks. One of which was, you know, uh, I don't want to say he had coming, but he jumped through the air, and you know, accidents <laughs> happened. But two two fouls essentially, accidental fouls, no deduction. What did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff missed tonight. Uh, this this being one of them. Um, 
I mean, again, we see this all the time where the, where stuff is missed here and there. So I, I don't know. I just think it's uh, it's just unfortunate for Dodson. But but what are you going to do? Guys, if you are listening on the YouTube live chat, leave us a thumbs up. You can donate to the Super Chat. Subscribe to us. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Player FM, virtually everywhere you can get podcasts. And, of course, FightfulPods.com. Yeah, uh, Dodson's two losses in the division are to uh, splits to John Lineker and Marlon Marias. So he, he's not doing too bad in that division. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Dern over Ashley Yoder. Uh, Dern quickly closed the distance and threw a knee. This was really a make-or-break fight for Yoder, who is now 0-3 in the UFC. She's probably done. I thought that Yoder was doing a good work uh, with her footwork and setting up her kick, but she was still getting tagged here and there. Uh, the striking here was not pretty. <laughs> there was not much head movement at all. Uh, Mackenzie Dern has a decent chin, but the only reason that I knew this is because it never moved and her head got snapped back every time. So <laughs> we got to find out what kind of a chin she had. Dern finally got Yoder down in round three, and you had to know at that point it was a wrap, either a submission or she was going to ride out the round because Ashley Yoder was not going to come back. But then... Adelaide Bird haunts Mackenzie Dern and almost cost her this fight. And yeah. this was something that was brought up earlier in the show. Like, like John Anik was like, uh-oh, guys, Adelaide Bird's in the house. Yeah. No, what'd it's... What do you think of this ahead of the Mackenzie Dern fight? Well, I mean, it's always a wild card. You just, you know, you put, you put, throw logic out there and then you throw a grenade and that's what Adelaide Bird does. Uh, you know, I think Rogan kind of sum, summarized it up pretty well uh, in, in the fight. So it uh, didn't really surprise me to see that with, with her, uh, you know, being involved in the judging. But uh, just, just talking about Dern, I mean, if, if you've watched her sort of her, her fights leading up to her UFC debut, you know that her striking wasn't, wasn't that great. It's like everyone, the media, the UFC, everyone, they want her so badly to be what Ronda Rousey, Rousey was before the Holly Holm knockout and and you know i don't blame them because the the promotion's starving for stars and Mackenzie is a you know she's well spoken got a good story obviously the, with the jujitsu stuff but she needs a lot of work and i don't think it's a big deal i you know people are sort of talking how she's you know a bust and all this stuff it's like she's 24 years old she needs yeah. to work on, on, on some striking you give her opponents like this that are sort of lower level and you build her up she works at a you know she's at a good camp at the mma lab i think there's room for improvement and you know don't take anything away you know people are going to talk about dern not looking good tonight we should be talking about actually yoder actually looking not bad and not like a three to one underdog like she was uh, heading into the fight so i think that's sort of something we can look at in this matchup but dern you know she has some good abilities but obviously she needs to catch up in the striking department and uh, sort of improve there but 24 years old lots of room to improve what did your scorecard look like for this one? Oh, I had it uh, two rounds to one for Mackenzie Dern. I had it 30-27 Melvin Gillard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or, uh, yeah, 30-27 Diego Sanchez. There we go. Uh, number five, Caitlin Vieira defeated number six, Kat Zingano. I could I could have seen the winner of this getting a crack at Cyborg, if not Nunez or Anderson. We'll talk about possible Cyborg opponents much later. Zingano's kicks looked incredible. That was the best part of her game on this night. Had a decent trip early on. But a lot of what she did outside of that was very problematic, like bad footwork. Her hands were down. Her elbows were way out. Vieira was using her range uh, a little bit well at times, but then would abandon it at other times. She kind of – like her hooks are are different. She paws at people when she she hooks them, uh, like almost – comes with the the uh, the inside of the palm with the hand whenever she lands hooks, which is a little bit different. 
uh, she stayed low in Zingano's guard after tripping her. And that's, that's an invitation to just eat a full plate of elbows. And she did and quickly decided to smother Zingano instead. Zingano came out fighting the way that she needed to, to win in round three and got hurt on a checked kick. Zingano managed to fight back, but th- this is something we saw a couple times on this show tonight. People getting hurt, and then their opponent taking them down while their leg was puzzling. But, I mean, ultimately, it didn't hurt Vieira. Uh, the referee stopped a clinch that I thought was plenty active. Of course, one judge gives it to Zingano. That was just the, the, the way the, the, the night was going. Vieira looked – she looked fine. She's 4-0 has beaten, in the UFC, has beaten Sarah McMahon, Kat Zingano. Let's start with the fight itself before we talk about directions and future and past and all that. What'd you think? I mean, it was a good performance for for Vieira. She did sort of what she had to do to get it done. And Kat, you know, even though she lost, she had her moments in the fight. So in some ways that it was, you know, kind of looked good on her. But, you know, kind of looking back at this matchup, this was just really bad matchmaking in the UFC's part. I know they wanted Vieira to really get an impressive win here to sort of, you know, make the next contender for Cyborg or whatever, you know, as far as like sort of what's next or everything else. Or she gets the winner of uh, Nunes and and Pennington or whatever. But, uh, you know... Zingano was someone that has wins over these other opponents. Would you not give her a bit of her layup, layup, especially with the fact that she had a bit of a layup heading into this one? Uh, to me, in hindsight, it seems kind of dumb because now Zingano's lost you know, two in a row or whatever since she's uh, come back. She lost to Pena and obviously this fight. What the heck do you do with her now? She's getting up there in age. It's not like you can, you know, sort of build her back up at this point. And Vieira, I mean, she she got the win. It looks good on your resume, but she didn't get that highlight reel finish that you're expecting to to get a title shot. So, I mean, Vieira, you know, she remains undefeated, but d- does her stock really go up a ton tonight? I, I don't really think so. So, good win for her, but I don't know, kind of underwhelming if you ask me. Dylan Vieira is, you know, she's won four in a row in that division, and that usually gets you a title fight. Uh, Nunez is booked against Pennington. That was almost a product of Max Holloway getting hurt because it looked right. like Amanda Nunez was going to fight Cyborg, and they were like, all right, well, we need a main event for this show. Cyborg accepted. That left Nunez out in the cold, so they added her and Pennington. So that all ended up working out. Zingano, on the other hand, I had no clue why she was involved in talk. It, like, people would mention, oh, Nunez, maybe maybe Zingano can fight Nunez. And I'm like, I get it. She beat her once, but Zingano has not won a fight since before her last title opportunity. Yeah. And there were people saying, oh, maybe Cyborg. And I'm like, no, that's still just not the way that it works. I mean, Mm -hmm. Holly Holm was at least active. It probably doesn't help Kat Zingano that five times now she has taken a year to a year and a half between fights. Mm -hmm. And that's eaten up a lot of her time. She's 35 years old. She she is a finished product at this point. Oh, big time. I mean, do you remember when she was supposed to coach the Ultimate Fighter? And now look at where she is now. It's cra- just crazy, like, you know, how things have changed uh, so much. Granted, you know, they talked about everything on the broadcast about her injuries and, and personal things that have happened. Yes. But it's just uh, it, it's just crazy to see sort of the fall from grace. And again, you know, when she came back at 200, she fought Pena, another prospect, and she lost. And now it's the same situation here. And it's like, what do you do with her now? So any sort of value that you had with Katzengano completely down the drain at this point. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and they have no desire to create a real 145 division, or else maybe she could go up there, get some stuff done, win a couple fights here and there, but uh, they don't seem interested in that. Uh, Vieira, though, definitely one to watch, and her name is in a a real discussion now. 
Uh, Andre Arlovsky isn't in any real discussion, and I don't think anybody's going to really, really talk about this fight afterwards. Uh, Struve, you fought at length much more in this fight than he used to, but it just wasn't enough. Andre Arlovsky did what he needed to do. Struve was loading up the right hand and found some success, but got taken down often. Struve did manage a nice sweep and tried to smother Arlovsky, but this fight was going up against Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz. So not a lot of people were paying attention to this, James. No, I, I, I was paying attention and it, it was bored out of my mind and I kept you know flipping back and forth and it's just... It just wasn't a good fight to put on the pay-per-view. I understand that they, you know, the value, the name value with Arlovsky being a former champion and everything else uh, sort of, you know, led way to, to this spot. But just, yeah, just an atrocious fight. Uh, Stefan Struve continue to be, continues to be very disappointing as, as a guy they're trying to build up. And it just, he can never get it done. And Arlovsky, I know Rogan talked on the broadcast about how, oh, you know, you've won two in a row now. Well, you're, you're looking to make another run to the title. It's like... I guess because Stipe keeps beating everyone, but like, really, come on. Like, do we really see Andre Arlovsky in a title fight anytime soon? Not really. So, I, I don't know. This is just, it's just really doesn't, I don't really come away with anything in this fight other than just Struve just continues to disappoint. I mean, this is a fight that Struve should have won and he didn't. And Arlovsky props to him, you know, guy that was written off when Brett Rogers knocked his block off in Strike Force. He's, he's still sticking around, like four right? Four times. So, so, you know, good for him. But I mean, he, he's won two in a row. First time he's won two in a row since 2015, so good for him, I guess. But I, I don't know. I just don't see much of a ceiling here. And with Struve, I don't know what the heck you do with him now. Yeah, Arlovsky has back-to-back wins over top 15 heavyweights. That's I weird. Know. And, I mean, when you get Miocic, Overeem, Barnett, and Ganu back-to-back-to-back-to-back, you know, that, that, that will happen. You will lose four or five in a row. But – if you get a fight after you've lost three in a row, the UFC likes you. If you get one after four in a row, they're doing you a favor. After five, you're essentially a charity case. And uh, Arlovsky took that charitable donation, put it in a slot machine, and ended up uh, hitting, hitting the jackpot there. I personally think that Stefan Struve is the perfect stylistic opponent for a Brock Lesnar if he were to return. A guy, because Struve does not like to fight at range very much, even though he has it. He doesn't really like to hit people that much. And the irony is Brock Lesnar doesn't like to get hit that much. And it's somebody that Brock can get his hips underneath. And then once he does get his hips underneath him, will just dominate him. So that's what I could see. Oh, Sean O'Malley. My God. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. 
To participate, simply fill up an Orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm waiting for the the ghost of career future and Matt Riddle to visit this guy. <laughs> this was this was fun. Like what a first round O'Malley had. He had Sukumtoth just in trouble with a bevy of different strikes and combos and couldn't put him away. But with elbows, with kicks, with punches at range, uh, he would step in, step out. I thought that was maybe even a 10-8 round. Sukumtoth just couldn't get off his back foot and almost ended up getting triangled and arbarred on the ground. And uh, nothing beats advice between round two and three. Like, <laughs> go get that motherfucker when you get styled on for the first 10 minutes. Oh, okay. All right, champ. And Sukumtoth's performance in round three certainly reflected that advice because O'Malley got his leg hurt real bad. I'm talking like, we're talking like Mike Chandler versus Brent Premis bad. Yeah. Literally, all Sukumtoth had to do was nothing. Had he stood there, there's a good chance the ref was probably going to call a TKO for injury in that. Instead, what Sukumtoth does is take O'Malley down repeatedly. His corner screaming at him. Twitter screaming at him. The commentator screaming at him. One guy in the world doesn't know what to do. How does this happen? I thought Sukumtad might have been able to win this. I actually picked him just because of how O'Malley looked in his last fight. Man, that was a mistake. Uh, Sukumtad has done this in the past. He has, as we say in wrestling, worked himself into a shoot so many times like in the past that it's cost him fights, and it definitely did tonight. Unfortunately, Andre Sukumtad is going to be the Scott Norwood of the uh, MMA community for the next couple of weeks. And uh, if you don't get that reference, uh, Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl, 1991, Scott Norwood misses the field goal. That's what Andre Sukumtad had in this fight was a field goal. He he could have finished Sean O'Malley in this fight. Sean Ray Finkel. Yeah, Ray Finkel, exactly. Uh, probably a better reference. But but in terms of just, you know, having a fight in the bag, I mean, he really did. He was on – O'Malley was on one leg. It could have ended, you know, just with him being injured. And Sukumtah takes him down. And you know what sucks is Andre's such a nice guy. He's a really exciting fighter. And people are going to talk about this for months, unfortunately. The MMA fan base never forgiving. And, you know, really, there's not much you can say about it. Why did he take him down? He could have tried to stand it up. O'Malley would have been screwed there. Like he, he couldn't even do the post-fight interview standing up, uh, even on someone's shoulders. He was lying on his back. King Mo style, by the way. It was fantastic though. It was unbelievable. That, that awesome interview, Joe Rogan, just walking over there you, and man. Sean O'Malley flat on his back. I thought he was kind of corny in some of the embedded stuff, by the way, I thought UFC with embedded this week did an awesome job highlighting a lot of different people, Mackenzie Dern and uh, Sean O'Malley, especially, they, they fit a lot of people into that show, and I thought that was the right thing to do. But that Sean O'Malley interview, A-plus stuff, just oh, yeah. different and unique. Yeah, and you you tweeted it out, you know, his age. He's 23 years old. That's a lot of pressure to have people telling you, you know, you're this highlight reel machine. And, and you know, O'Malley delivered. I mean, the UFC does have a guy here that they can market and really push. And, you know, don't be surprised if we see this guy in a main event soon for a fight night card or something like that. As far as, like, you know, one of the prospects they really want to get behind – 
You know, his buddies with Snoop Dogg. He trains at the MMA lab. He's an exciting fighter. You know, who knows how long this injury is, but uh, no, this this was great. And you know, I I, I criticized the UFC earlier for their matchmaking in the Vieira fight, but this was great ma- matchmaking in this fight because you know Sukumta is a guy that will always bring it. I don't think he's at that level yet where you can sort of feel like he can you know make a run as a contender. But it, it was a winnable fight for Sean O'Malley. At least that's sort of how I saw it. And he looked great. And I think O'Malley, O'Malley stock just went through the roof tonight with, you know, the injury and everything else. And, and for a young kid to, to have an injury like that and hold on and not quit just speaks volumes about his heart. And I think that the future is definitely very bright for O'Malley in the UFC. Wasn't he saying during the fight, I don't tap, I don't yeah, tap? That, that's, yeah, apparently, yeah, that, that's what uh, they're saying. on that guy. Like, yeah, if the UFC wants to go to Montana, where he's from, why not have him have him headline the show uh overall at fightful mma on twitter guys we have jeremy lambert handling the post fight stuff mackenzie dern uh says that she wants to fight again soon did you notice they had george gurgel out there oh god yeah what the hell i told you like the tweet you know he's not getting those residuals from tough two so he's got to uh got to make some money somehow but yeah i th- immediately saw that and i was like what mckenzie is born in arizona why is she getting a translator i guess maybe for the brazilian audience i don't know it just seems so odd that uh that, that, that it would, you know in the ufc it's it's one of their biggest stars they've been talking about all week they should know that she's from the states she's yeah a translator so gurgel is such a such a polarizing dude he was such a great like grappler jujitsu player and he's from kind of my area we used to like at tournaments our guys would end up against his guys all the time i personally grappled like three or four of his guys at tournaments but he would go into fights and just swing for the fences and if you remember he coached dustin hazlett who was a very very young promising guy and was coached to pop in against Paul Daly and go for a rolling kick. That didn't work out too hot. Didn't work out too hot. Paul Daly booked against John, John Fitch. Fitch. Yeah. We'll talk about that here in a bit. Brian Ortega, number three over Frankie Edgar. Noticeable size difference, but early on, Edgar was backing Ortega up with some great jabs. And Edgar's head movement was such a far cry from everything else that we saw on this show. Unfortunately, the movement that it made from upright to the canvas was also unlike anything we saw on this show. Ortega stepped inside with a huge elbow and followed up with a horror movie uppercut. I'm talking like this uppercut is in a relationship on Facebook with Francis Ngannou's uppercut, (laughs) and they are very happy together. They've got a they they've got one of those joint accounts. That way, you know if you're messaging one, you're messaging other the other. That that's how these two uppercuts were. It was beautiful. Just the follow through was great. Brian Ortega solidified himself. This is some new blood atop this division that has been you know Edgar and Aldo for a long time, essentially, and McGregor briefly, but he would move up to to lightweight. But now you've got. Holloway and Ortega, a couple of young guys, ready to go at it. But after the fight, Ortega decided to uh, promote charitable causes, which you know is even more endearing considering his upbringing. Frankie Edgar stopped for the first time in his career. It had to happen. It had to happen. And it's unfortunate it happens in a fight like this where Edgar didn't have to take this. He, he did this for the UFC. He did it to help uh, you know the promotion out. And uh, the risk didn't pay off, unfortunately. We're never going to see Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway, which is you know really unfortunate at this point. But uh, you know it had to happen at some point. You know Edgar always took damage in fights, and uh, you know when you fight a guy like Ortega, 
uh, you know, who's getting better every fight and he's an up and comer. It was bound to happen. And, uh, you know, congratulations to him. I mean, that's 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 one of those signature wins you look back on and say that that was the moment we knew this guy was a, you know, top contender, or a title contender, I should say. And uh, just an impressive performance. But, yeah, for Edgar, you, you got to feel for him a little bit. Um, you know, it looked like this was the fight, the, the matchup we had been wanting to see for a while is him, him and uh, Holloway. And it's not going to happen now. And T-City uh, shows he's got some striking, too. I mean, we always just think of him as a submission guy. But to, for him to go out there and get that, uh, you know, Tiger uppercut, it was it was great. That is an incredible feather in his cap. I mean, beyond finishing Frankie Edgar, finishing Frankie Edgar on the feet, who has some of the crispest, cleanest, uh, most effective, efficient, and just fast striking in that division, much less at 155, too. Good God. But that is that is just – you couldn't ask for a more ringing endorsement of your skills than what Brian Ortega accomplished tonight. And going in against a guy like like Max Holloway, who has put away Jose Aldo the way that he has twice in a row, uh, that, that couldn't – enough couldn't be said. Conor McGregor tweeted about this and said that Frankie Edgar's legacy deserved for this fight to be against him. <laughs> so okay i want your feelings on the mcgregor thing but it says a lot to me that he's watching all these shows all these events and tweeting about it immediately after it yeah. speaks to how much of a fight fan he is first off or a student of the game but he is always watching well he has to he's got to stay i mean he's still the biggest name in all of combat sports but you got to stay relevant he's got to throw something out there you know this is a guy that you know throws a tweet out and it gets a million retweets and all these other things so i think it's i i don't know what to believe i don't because i don't know the behind the scenes the workings and all that stuff but it's just his way of i mean we'll talk i mean we're talking about the the fact that we're even talking about it tonight just shows that it's he's getting into our subconscious and trying to remind us that you know he's still around and he's still uh, doing his thing so I don't know. We'll see. And, it, you know, it might have been in relation because didn't if I'm not mistaken, I was reading somewhere today that did they not announce that uh, Ferguson and Khabib is a, for the official title now? So that might be it, too. Just trying to get that narrative going. Well, I, I you know, I heard what Eddie Alvarez said about this and I thought it was right on the money. He said they will announce and I think Chael Sonnen has since followed up with this, but it makes a lot of sense. That fight will be for the world title when that first punch is thrown because they can't trust those two to actually be in the cage for that title. Like you can't strip Conor McGregor, then say, oh, this is for the title. And then one of them pull out like has happened over and over and over yeah. again. Once they are in the cage and that that bell rings, then you can say it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Ferguson Habib is almost like, like Dalloway Lombard. There's one way this fight can end and it's in a draw. <laughs> That's exactly. the only way. <laughs> that this fight can end is in a draw or no contest. That's what we're going to look at here in a few months. Uh, Brian Ortega is on the podium at the UFC post night or post show presser. Uh, he said that he, or it's, he sounds down with the date uh, for Max Holloway in July. That'd be two twenty six. It says that he was 164 pounds entering the cage was down to fight in three weeks and thought it was going to be five rounds, but he is very glad that it was switched to three rounds or that he wasn't the main event and it was three rounds. So Brian Ortega looks like he'll be good to go in the summer. Can you imagine that international fight? I mean, I know name value wise, it's not the hugest thing, but can you have, imagine having Stipe in DC and then having Ortega and Holloway? How great would that be? Holy crap. I thought before the Holloway fight, I thought they could have really had like a super fight series and had Nunez Cyborg, then uh, Mighty Mouse, Dillashaw, and then Miocic. 
Cormier like back to back to back months because the way that it was constructed and the amount of champions you had, you could have you could have reeled that off three months in a row and not really missed a beat and had your contenders hashed out in those divisions that really needed it. But uh, as it turns out, we're getting at least one, likely two, because Rivera and Marias being booked just tells me, well, they're booking Mighty Mouse and Dillashaw. Right. Like, they haven't announced it, but they're, uh, if if that fight is booked, then there's no, like, who else? They're not going to put him against Cruz or anything. Uh, well, maybe they, maybe they rematch him with uh, Garbrandt, no? I don't, I don't think they would do that. I just don't, I don't think know. they would do that. Who, who's Garbrandt's manager? He seems to have a lot of pull these days. Who is his manager? Ali Abdulaziz. Oh, boy. You can tell because all of his fighters, all he tweets for them a lot of the times. You can, oh, you know, yeah. It's very obvious. So. Champion Chris Cyborg defeated Yana Kunitskaya. I tweeted right before this that Holm was able to muscle Cyborg around a little bit, and outside of a Hail Mary swing, that was Kunitskaya's best bet. As it turns out, that was the strategy she employed. A low single took Cyborg down, and well, Kunitskaya won about two minutes of this, and that's it. Yeah. Kunitskaya well, had this. I mean, did she even really? Thing. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to say, did she even really win? I mean, she was just sort of holding on to her. It wasn't really doing any damage. I mean, I get I get the idea of trying to control, but I mean, <laughs> that's a moral was, victory. <laughs> yeah, it was, exactly. It was only a matter of time. It was, you know, at least surprising result tonight. There, there's some discussion. Maybe Cyborg threw or landed a, an illegal knee. It didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. Like Could I said, a couple minutes more, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Cyborg finishes her not long after. Uh, to Kunitskaya's uh, credit, she said that Cyborg didn't have true knockout power, that she TKOs people. That is what happened tonight. And that's something that actually was picked up on a long time ago, like that Cyborg finishes people but doesn't knock them out cold. But you don't see that a lot among women in MMA. Ronda oh. Rousey was a little bit of an anomaly in that <laughs> regard. And it's kind of more special when you look at it about kind of the aura of Ronda Rousey and what she was able to achieve. She was, I mean, she was putting Betch Cohea face down ass up on a straight out of Compton logo. Like that's, yeah. that's not and easy to do. And, and what's so funny about that is that pretty much ruined her career because she fell in love with her standup after that. And then she thought she could knock out Holly Holm and that didn't work out. Well, I mean, Ronda Rousey's greatest strength was always her judo. And I think that her years of judo gave her such a strong core that she was able to generate that type of power. And a Cyborg can too. It's just, I don't know if Cyborg ever puts all of her power into her strikes because she lands one and it's the beginning of the end. Like she knows it. Like the way that pe- that women react when they get hit by Cyborg is unlike anything I've seen in women's MMA because they just know immediately. They know it's the beginning of the end. That was the case. Kinskaya went into the fetal position, and that was that. Not a lot of technique to break down here. It was just dominant. Cyborg next. It could be Vieira. She wants Nunez. So I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, right. I mean, that, yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, assuming that she's uh, good. Well, I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if Raquel Pennington beat uh, Nunez. But, yeah, and if um, Raquel Pennington beat Nunez, she ain't fighting Cyborg. No, they'll find someone else. They'll find someone else. And Megan Anderson's around. It could be her. Marion Renault has pieced together a winning streak in the 135 yeah. division. And that that's the benefit of reeling off a few wins at 135. You're also in the hunt at 145. Like, it's at any time, any of these women could become a celebrity challenger. But Cyborg's two title defenses were just against Invicta champions who bumped up. And, ugh, 
And, and the sad thing is, in the case of Evinger, it was one of the best opponents she ever faced until home. And I'm ready to see Cyborg take on some real competition. Holly Holm was real competition, but uh, Nunez and Anderson, I think, are the two best bets. Yeah, and then you've got Julia Budd and Bellator. I mean, she's certainly improved a little bit. So that that's kind of unfortunate as well. There's some uh, other women sort of tied up in other organizations. But you're right. That's pretty much it. And and who knows what they do at this point. They're going to have to get creative. I'm really curious to see what the buy rates are tonight uh, because that will sort of, I think, determine the matchmaking going forward. Can't If they can do Cyborg versus opponent going forward, then maybe they can get away with doing that. But, I mean, for a lot of people, like, you know, I was just like, yeah, Cyborg's going to win by stoppage. You know, it's not a big deal. So, I don't know. I, I'll see. It'll be interesting to see sort of what they do from that standpoint. Bellator happened last night. We'll just talk about the main event, Darian Caldwell. Hold, 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 hold on one second before we do that. You missed one fight on here. Alexander what? Hernandez. Finished oh, my video God. Darian. I did miss that. How did and, I miss that? And we had the exclusive on Fightful with Hernandez, who, uh, you know, said he was going to go out there and shock the world. And he did. I mean, that was that was a huge upset. Uh, I completely Hernan- skipped that over in my notes. I got to go back and add that. Yeah. <laughs> what um, a monster. Well, first of all, we got to talk about the the no glove touch. I'm not supportive of that. I no, thought that me was- neither. Me neither. That that was BS. And that that honestly would have been like an A plus for him tonight. But it's probably just going to be an A because people are going to talk yeah. about that, unfortunately. But uh, but man, what a knockout! And like. You know what's funny? I was talking to someone about this, uh, you know, uh, earlier in the week, just saying, you know, Darius is one of those guys that he does get knocked out by guys that he shouldn't probably get knocked out by. Yep. You know, the Nijum fight, and you know, he got submitted by Chiesta. Like he's known to make these mistakes, and sure enough, you got this confident kid. He's got nothing to lose. He quit his job. He was supposed to fight actually tomorrow night on a Fury FC card, and he fights tonight in Las Vegas, and he knocks him out. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Plus ten fifty was the prop uh, number on uh, him by knockout tonight. Ooh. It was great. And now Dariush has gone winless in his last three after really like going on a hot streak. I think he had won seven of eight. Beat guys like James Vick, Jim Miller, Michael Johnson. And he's lost back-to-back, or not back-to-back-to-back, but uh, had the majority draw against Dunham. So that that's not good. But, man, uh, Alex Hernandez, you can't ask for a better performance than that. Now, I'll ask you this, like, what does this say about taking a fight on short notice? Like, oh, there's there's no upside. I mean, none at all. I mean, you look at even like in a situation like this with Edgar too. Like, really, what what where, what do these guys get in return for taking these short notice fights? If if you're the guy that was originally on the card, I mean, not much. Um, I mean, it, it's just it's kind of the cruel sport part of the part of the sport. You know, in some ways, is that you know Darius kind of. He's, he screwed himself in a way, and you know he, Hernandez said everything to, to gain in this fight. So of course he's going to go out there extra confident. And Darius, you know, now like he's he's now sort of a gatekeeper in the division at this point. I mean, what do you do with them? So it's yeah, I, th- I think it's just it's unfortunate, but it's I guess part of the part of the sport. And when fans rag on fighters for turning down fights sometimes uh, in certain situations like this, this is why. This is the other side of it. Before we talk about Bellator, guys, I have a ton of articles up on Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. Fighters reacting to the Ortega knockout and uh, and uh, several other uh, – the Lombard fight as well. Tons of stuff there. Over on Bellator, Darian Caldwell just dominated Higo. Oh, yeah. What did uh, you think of that performance? I just proved that he is a top welterweight – in the division period, and we're talking UFC guys too. I mean, that was a statement when uh, Leandro Higo, uh, very, very, very talented guy. I, f- I feel bad for him. This guy has had like the worst luck. Like, I mean, he, you know, he loses this big fight, his second opportunity at the title, 
I mean, I don't know if he's going to get a title shot anytime soon now. And then, you know, he had the incident on the, on the ultimate fighter, uh, Brazil, where things didn't work out. And just, uh, you know, he's had a lot of like missteps, but Caldwell, I mean, the one blemish to Joe Tamagia, which he avenged in his next fight. I mean, this guy's unreal and just, uh, you know, a real good star for Bellator at this point. And they should be happy about this because, you know, oftentimes Caldwell is winning decisions and nobody really likes that. Now he gets a finish, an impressive finish. He's a guy they can build around. He's got a good personality, comes from a good gym. This is good news for Bellator. And uh, something I hope they push is these prospects they have, man. They've got so many. And that's one thing with the UFC. They're, they just don't seem to push a lot of the, the prospects unless uh, you're Mackenzie Dern. And, and you know, they, they really should take advantage of this. And this is just a, a great moment for Bellator, having him uh, get the win. And, uh, you know, hopefully this means that we'll see more bantamweights go to Bellator because I'd like to see some, uh, you know, fighters mix it up. Think about Michael Johnson, or not Michael Johnson, Michael McDonald, not yeah. the singer, uh, fighting uh, Darian Caldwell now. That would be kind of interesting, you know? So. Yeah, I know McDonald hurt his hand again, and that's got to be a concern because that happens all the time. Yeah, Joe Time Anglo, who has actually split a couple of fights with Darian Caldwell, beat Joe Warren on that show, and that that seems like a natural matchup, but also such a Bellator thing to run back a fight for like the third, fourth, fifth, seventh (laughs) time. That's just what they do, you know. Uh, Guys, FightfulMMA.com. James Lynch is always posting exclusives there. He does the interviews. I'll I'll do uh, write-ups on them, and he's had tons of stuff. One of my favorites recently is Cajun Johnson talking about how the MMA FA kind of booted him out for joining Project Spearhead, which I thought was just fascinating to hear him talk about. We have tons of articles up tonight about uh, the the fights on the, on the show with highlights from the show, pros reacting, all kinds of stuff. I took a look at uh, contenders or prospects at heavyweight today. Check that out too. And of course, we have the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, 3 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. James Lynch has the MMA industry podcast on Thursdays, which is always fascinating to check out. You get to see a different side of the sport that you haven't seen before. But yes. James, but James, tell the people a little bit about that. Uh, the MMA industry podcast, the only podcast you'll find that uh, talks about what goes on behind the scenes in the uh, in the world of mixed martial arts, uh, whether it's from a media standpoint or you know managing and, and other stuff like that. So definitely check that out. Usually live every Thursday at 1 o'clock. We're trying to keep to that time slot. Uh, but uh, last week we had a bit of a change because we had the guys from Submission Radio on, which was a blast. And I know you were a fan of my Australian accent where I was making fun of them, uh, how yeah. they plug their show every single time. Welcome to Submission Radio. Be sure to give us a like on YouTube. YouTube, uh, you know that that type of great stuff so i have i have an australian on my show every tuesday yeah, night Anna, but, yeah but the thing is she is her accent isn't as thick i mean you can still notice it but she spent quite a bit of time in america too so she was a little bit her her accent was a little bit domesticated in that in that regard uh, at least as it pertains to america but uh, lots of stuff on fightful.com fightfulmma.com i have uh my full interview with Tim Storm up on FightfulWrestling.com. And the, the coming weeks, there aren't going to be a lot of UFC shows, but my God, WrestleMania weekend is psycho. What do you think motivated the UFC to run WrestleMania weekend, which they have steered clear of for years? I think they're just clueless. I, I do. I mean, I don't know. It just seems odd. Why didn't they have an event this weekend at the Arnold? That's my question, too. You got all the... Well, yeah, why not run this show at the Arnold? I don't know. Uh, another kind of head-scratching move. And if not them, why didn't Bellator? I know, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Strikeforce used to do it all the time. Scott Coker should surely know, which, I mean, I remember the Rousey-Tate fight there, and the attendance wasn't that great that night, but who knows. James, tell the people where they can follow you on social media. 
Always Lynch on Sports. That's L-Y-N-C-H. MMA Industry Podcast every Thursday. I got a pretty big interview book tomorrow. You guys are going to see that hopefully in, in the coming weeks. Uh, I'm not going to announce it because, you know, you got to be pr- uh, smart about these things. You know, if the interview falls through, you don't want to look yes. like a dummy. So I'll just throw a little teaser out there. And we're going to have a really good exclusive Hopefully next week. Hopefully it'll be 100% confirmed, but uh, you guys mm-hmm. are going to really like that too. You know what I'm talking about, Sean, because I talked to you about it. Sure but, do. Uh, we, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. But yeah, Fightful.com, uh, lots of UFC stuff, lots of Bellator, lots of good interviews. Uh, we keep it coming, and not just the big stars, but guys like Alexander Hernandez. Go check out our interview with him. You'll see why he won uh, tonight or last uh, last night. You know, uh, Very confident kid and someone I'm hoping to get a post-fight with as well. So stay tuned, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on, Sean. It was uh, great to uh, to be on the post-fight show. Of course, guys, you will next see me on a post-show, likely March 17th. There is not a lot of UFC coming up soon. To next month, to this month, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to be an afternoon show because it's in London. We're Doom versus Volkov. And other than that, it's pretty clear until April 7th where you will be uh, likely live at that show. That night is going to be psychotic because you'll likely be sending in stuff. We'll have all hands on deck because – Ring of Honor, NXT are also that night. I'm doing three podcasts that night. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. My God. Uh, Follow me at Sean Ross. Follow us at Fightful Online. But uh, most importantly, visit Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. Our MMA section is still blossoming, growing, and James is a big part of that. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that cool stuff. Until next time, guys, we are out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.